right, so I'll call the Warrant Committee meeting to order because we have quorum. So we're missing Jeremy, Amanda, and Christine, but Christine won't be coming. Okay. All right, so um, we have a slew of minutes to approve. Um, does anybody have any questions on any of them or have a desire for us to take them individually or as a group? There were five sets, August 31st, September 8th, September 9th, September 13th. Oh, and then also August 19th. Oh, six and August 26th. Yes, there's like two regular full There's two regular meetings and four subcommittee meetings. Should they be noted as such? Um, all of them, all of our postings are posted as both subcommittee and warrant committee meetings in case we hit one because most people have been coming to all of them. So, uh, I mean, I, I looked at them, I had some comments, but they definitely fixed them. And then I added today, um, some time stamps and spots. Yeah, I thought that, that was great. That was a great idea. That was a great idea. Yeah. So I went through there um, on one of my posts on Facebook when I posted the video. Somebody had commented and asked whether or not we had anything that had timestamps that would help people find things. So what I did this morning, I went into the minutes and basically recorded every like 15, yeah. 20 minutes to yeah. just stick a timestamp to give people a general idea. So all of these have that. And that's really helpful as a reference because we get so many questions of people asking. And I figure it'll help us go back to Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> Really for us. It was good to look at it because it kind of reviewed all the meetings. Well, and I think it was well, read through the minutes, it was like going to the meeting again. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, my plan, I mean, I'm going to ask Nick to post these right away so that that way we can share them because I think for people that don't want to sit there and watch two hours at a time, they could at least peruse the minutes and right. decide which ones they want to watch. So, yeah. Okay. Um, you want a motion? Yes. To approve it? Please. That would be great, Steve. So I motion that uh, the two regular Warren Committee minutes, um, or what are the dates again? So it's, um, those are September 13th, September 13th and, and August 19th. August 19th. And the four subcommittee uh, minutes uh, be approved as submitted. Second. All right. So, Paul? Yes. Newton? And? Yes. Joe? Yes. Steve? Yes. And Arnas? Um, yes. Jeremy. Jeremy has just joined us. If you care to vote on minutes, if you've already reviewed them, you can. If not. See, run up and ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, you just have to pay for dinner. It just means you have to pay for dinner. That's all. <laughs> all right. All right, so um, next order of business um, is there's been a bunch of uh, submittals for different fact documents to add. And so I sent everybody a, uh, a draft today with, and I tried to highlight in green everything that was new because it's just kind of building on the same document. Um, so then I'll just walk through what they were and then if anybody has any comments or questions. 
So it was on the same email that had the minutes. It's called website outline 92821. So the first um, new one is in the site selection. Um, so that one is um, SBC meeting 91620. Um, and it says review of all member opinions, votes, public Q&A and selection vote. So that was, um, that is the actual YouTube video to that meeting on September 16th, the night that they did you sent that today. Huh? It was I on the same email through. as the minutes. Yes, it was one of the attachments. The attachments. Oh, that yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anybody have an issue with adding that one? In the site selection error. Um, and then in the final design preferred option area, it's actually it's. It's still the schematic design report. It's just a call out to pages 39 to 41 um, because that is the specific, uh, so it says discussion of space summary. We'll start on those pages. It explains each area and why that area is over the MSBA guideline. So just calling out those pages. Um, so the financial review, do you wanna go through those, Steve? I think most of these were. Uh, this is reminding me what we have. So we have um, oh, okay. district this and professional the... teams' responses to the MSBA comments on the PSR, February 8th, 2021, reference to cost in Appendix A on page 215. I think we talked about adding that one like almost right after the last meeting. Yeah, these right? are, these. Are, I think these are just um, appendices to the schematic. I don't know which one it is, but to one of the submissions, every time they make a submission, there's comments from the MSBA and they required to respond to them. So that's what this document is. It's right. one of those. Uh, yeah, it's it's appendix A of the schematic design report. Right. So it has all the comments on the PSR. Yeah. Um, and then the next one is the included and excluded cost subjects to MSBA re reimbursement criteria um, on page 151 of the schematic design. Now that is the wonderful spreadsheet <laughs> the table yeah it's like this big non-logical spreadsheet that's got like draw <laughs> you can't read it yeah is that is that the same one that no, simplified no it's it's, it's, it's this one it's the yes yeah, msba spreadsheet the one you circulated that's, that's, that's the one that yeah. msba one updated yeah. for yeah. the meeting on monday yeah, yeah. so right? we might want to defy any i want to put the new one out. rather than well, actually, I did put the new one in. So, do we only need one of these then? Yeah, you only need, you only need the latest. Okay, so then I guess I'm going to suggest that we take that one out because the last one in this section is the one that the MSBA changed. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. All right I'm going to delete. So we're going to not do page one fifty one and change for what they, purpose? Reimbursement. They, they increased the reimbursement. Uh, yeah. Rate, yeah, which in more more reimbursement. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost $700,000. I know, it's pretty good. Um, okay, so all right, so we'll take that one out and we'll talk about the other one in a minute. Um, so then I think, see, this was your learn about CM at, CM at risk, Doc. Was that something that you got from? Uh, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. We don't have a document. We have a document. Yeah, well, I guess I think, it, well, this is a link to the yeah. site service details. Learn more about CMS. Oh, that's, that's what, what Christine, this is. Christine said that to us. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. 
Yeah, that's just yeah. a link to a public yeah. website. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's one that ex explains the role of the CM at risk. Right. Yeah, it looks yeah. like there, there's there's two links on mass.gov. One is to learn about CM at risk, right. and the yeah. other one is on the mass.gov website, um, a link to the public design and construction information. Yeah. Those are both just mass.gov yeah. links. Is and is I don't know if I was just like fishing around, but is one a link to the design that build to as a comparison. I think that's in the design. That's something we're just not down to the comparison. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 These ones I think are more about um these were both links that Christine had sent us when we were at yeah at our last meeting yeah. and we were all going back and forth. This is the same reason why Mike Quinlan's showing up at 6 30 I think. Right. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> we were all confused. Yes. Oh okay. So he's gonna come and explain it to us. Okay, yeah. yeah, I remember reading both the yeah, the second the link is for like the general information and then okay. CMI risk is the one of the alternate uh, methods of procurement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it covers both. Those are the CMI risk. Oh, okay, maybe that's what I was thinking. Um, okay, then the next one is actually the it's the forum presentation that the SBC did last Wednesday. It's their slides. Pages forward. It's it, um, I'm the whole presentation. Oh, it's the one. So it's on here. It's called SBC Community yeah. Forum on Project Cost 922 2021. It's the PowerPoint presentation. That that actually the you're going to see again tonight. Right. It's like it's the first agenda oh, item on the selectmen upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, joining that remotely. It was hard. Right. Like, oh, I have no idea. I think that, yeah. that was like yeah, totally one of those lessons learned things that they needed to have a computer sharing that screen. Yes. Because yes. when you were at home, I had no idea what he no, had behind it. I didn't know what yeah. yeah, I was trying to take notes, couldn't go that fast. Yeah, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, I had a stream okay. and something else going, and it kind of pieced together a little bit. But yeah, yeah, there's a, <laughs> so, a time lag. Though. It was a little rough, <laughs> yeah, it was a little rough. Um, and then the last one is the updated project budget, which so the only difference between the project budget on this link and what is in the pieces of the presentation from last Wednesday is the reimbursement percentage um, that MSBA, MSBA had sent an email back to Medfield, um, I guess on Friday, letting them know that they were, that it was getting bumped up percentage or so. So it's about six, I forget the exact number, but something like $640,000. Thousand dollars. Yeah, so we're almost, up, right? almost up to like the forty-four percent or something. Yeah, like it's over like yeah, it's over yeah. Um, over nineteen million. So, um, so that's that's not bad. Yeah. Um, so that's the updated one, and then okay, and then the next section, um, water and sewer. So the first one is the Moody's credit opinion, the section that talks about environmental. Considerations is called out on page four. And then the one below that is called um, measuring what matters no approach to assessing sovereign climate risk on page 427 because it's referenced on page four of the Moody's report. Those were both things that Christine had sent us um, after that. And then the next two are things from the schematic design, the niche. Yeah, I'm gonna take a, a couple of minutes and talk about 
Um, there's two new, there were some documents already on there um, around the zoning, the zones and the districts and the wealth protection district. But I met with, um, I met with uh, Mo and Sarah last week. And there's two additional documents I want to put into uh, the website. So, and we talked a lot about, this will take a couple of minutes, but it's worth sort of so just the facts. So basically we talked about uh, the zoning and the bylaws. And they confirmed that uh, the, their understanding that the mass DEP approved zone two um, is that, you know, that, that map that we already have on there and that it covers 70% of Medfield and that the zone one, the state zone one is a 400 foot construction zone. They also confirmed that the Medfield bylaws have the aquifer protection district and it's made up of uh, primary and secondary aquifers. Uh, and it's very similar to that zone two. There's a small piece that's sort of wetlands. It's not aquifer, but most of it, most of Medfield, 70% mm -hmm. of it is, in a, is considered an aquifer. And, um, and then the bylaws have this well protection district, which our bylaws call zone one, which is the 2000 foot radius. Uh, so they confirmed all that. They also confirmed um, that the existing school and the proposed school are not within the well protection district. And that some area of the proposed parking lot and the new relocated soccer field um, the full soccer field mm -hmm. will be in the, uh, the well protection district um, within that 1,000 foot Within the 2,000 2,000. Yeah. But the actual existing school and the proposed school will be outside of it. Um, so a part of the parking lot and the soccer field, did you say? Yes. Or parts of? Part, yeah. Uh, the, the whole soccer field, the, the, the new. The new yeah. proposed soccer field is going to be rebuilt. Where it's being rebuilt is in the zone two, and part of a parking lot is in zone two. It is in zone, is in the 2000 foot zone, excuse me. Um, is the current field that's there? The current the current field probably is okay. not in the, in the well protection district because that's where the new school is going to go. Gotcha. The fields the back, on the other side. Sure. Yeah, all those soccer fields. On the other side, yeah, all those soccer fields are in the well protection district. Are they? They're in the well protection district. Like the Metro Youth Soccer Lab. I'm just trying to understand. So the new field and the existing fields are both in the same category. They're both in the well protection district. Yeah. So the um, so uh, and the the Wheelock School parcel, the whole parcel, is within the town's primary aquifer district, which, like we said, the, the aquifer district covers seventy percent. Right. It, so mm -hmm. uh, the GIS site, um, she confirmed, had you know had an error in it with the four hundred foot you know radius when you click on that it shows a bigger it's outside the 2000 foot which we thought that was an error 
And then the Newtown bylaws, uh, she, they did confirm the Newtown bylaws around stormwater management that were adopted. I don't know exactly when, recently. Those are uh, more restrictive than the state mass DEP and federal regulations. So then on environmental partners, uh, most, you know, this, this environmental partners letter that they put together, um, and it was discussed at the last town meeting. Uh, so I, I asked Mo, you know, what, because it was addressed to him, so I figured he had knowledge. He said, he said his memory is that the town has been using environmental partners for water and wetland issues since at least the 1970s. You know, he, he found that out because he happened to be talking to them about uh, what they want to do up at the town dump. And they said, oh, yeah, well, when we back in the 70s, when we were consulted, so they've been doing work for the town for quite a while. Right. Um, they were involved in 2003 with the zoning amendments to the bylaws for the Watershed Protection District overlay map and zoning map. Uh, and then more recently, they've been hired to uh, determine the best location of, of wells uh, within that field. And in particular, uh, they did the testing related to the siting of the new wells in the vicinity of the existing wells three and four. Mm -hmm. They did that testing too. So that his point to me was they know our water issues better than, better than him and anyone, any institution those, they, they know more about our water issues than any of um, And he, on the letter, he said that that it was a preliminary letter. This, this is the letter that's dated March. A preliminary letter based on proposed um, paper plans, basically, you know, because they hadn't done the schematic design mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and if the site moves forward, uh, you know, obviously there'll be more detailed plans including site plans and stormwater management will be developed and presented to the planning board for uh, review and approval. I asked him about the existing Wheelock site. He said that the existing parking and stormwater system at Wheelock was done in the 60s and 70s. Um, the system does not currently treat stormwater or recharge it to the site. Uh, he said there's no stormwater, you know, so there's no stormwater treatment on site and any stormwater that is collected is being sent off site through, um, you know, the sewer and stormwater pipes. So, um, you know, basically, you know, what's being proposed up there, um, we looked at the, and this, this is one of the documents I want to add in the schematic design, there's a sustainability section and they talk about the different areas of sustainability. One of them is, is water. And um, so they're targeting uh, a lead uh, V4 silver certification. Jeremy probably knows what that is. <laughs> uh, the project is, uh, is, is designed to increase the quality of water that's uh, returning to the ground from the present condition. Uh, and a goal of the project uh, important goal uh, because of its location is to des is designed to improve improve the 
the quality and the quantity of stormwater infiltration on site over uh, over current conditions. Um, so they're targeting a rainwater management credit um, and uh, it basically offers credits for certain rainfall events like the 85th or 90 percentile type events. Um, and the stormwater is proposed to be captured and routed to five decentralized stormwater management subsurface infiltration systems and one rain garden. And that uh, uh, they're, they're still going to do some more analysis to see if they can achieve that credit. Um, uh, but you know, I, think, I guess at this point, they think it's, it's positive. And then there's a, the other document is the niche engineering letter. Can I just ask the question? Yeah. So that, that system that you just described, that is in the current schematic design document. It's in, it's in the current cost. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All this is Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that, wasn't that going to be done anyways? As, and maybe in the future, as one of the town capital items. Well, the, uh, what I just cost? described is is the whole site. What they're, right. what they're trying to do. Right. There's a, the existing Wheelock School. That particular that was what I described earlier. So that's the piece that was done in the '60s or '70s. Right. They're gonna they're gonna the cost of that is included in the, the right. budget. I think his question is, is it in the current capital plan that the, the yeah. facilities thing still be doing that in the future. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the current plan, but it's certainly something that okay. needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Um then the, the niche engineering letter um, basically says that there's uh, new stormwater drainage systems are proposed to address the, the quality, uh, the quantity, the rate, the volume, and the quality of stormwater, um, uh, which would be constructed for the new school in the parking lot areas. It's designed to meet all local, state, federal regulations and require quantity and quality mitigation measures. It's a closed drain system in new parking lots which consists of catch basins and drain manholes with stormwater conveyed via high density pipes. The new system would consist of a network of man drain manholes and pipes. Roof drains from the new school would connect to the system. The stormwater would be directed to subsurface infiltration systems located in strategic areas throughout the site. And then prior to discharge and infiltration, uh, system will have to be treated to address quality um, by directing the stormwater through uh, something called a storm scepter model. You're probably familiar with that. Tasting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's those are the two additional documents that you know I wanted to. And that's to all in the current costs. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. the documents aren't listed here in this compilation with hot links. You're um, them? They, they well, are. They are yeah, yeah. They're are the they ones that two? say they're the last two in this section, okay. the niche engineering and the sustainable design. So gotcha. both of them are just call outs to page numbers that are inside the schematic design report. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you, you have any quantification of what the credit might be? Or it's just a um no. No, he that was not his, you know, he he. He, if that was not his specialty, he's not a you know, MSBA credit guru, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the it's really an MSBA. A lot of different things that go into that. And that is one of them. 
Does it come from the MSBA or does it come from the snow? It comes from the national certification. Is it like ongoing? Like it would be something that would go towards operating or? Yeah, I mean, building, uh, building that way, that absolute certification, yes, it would be more energy efficient in the long run. The credit itself, is it like one time usually? The credit is like the scoring of it. So you, so you get the actual scale of the LEAP um, certification. Oh, okay. Um, like, you know, level level four. Level four, silver, so level three might, you need a certain score to get that. Level four, you need another score. Oh, okay. Um, so this would be one of the things that would go towards that scoring. And gotcha. There's no remuneration, so Sunny, to speak. Sunny. It's just a you put the sticker on your, your window. So so if you meet a certain standard, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're going to get a, a, a certain percent. Okay. So it may have some. They, they want you to do a leap building, yeah. and you get credit. I just noted that I'd like to really get some input from that experience. It's a great summary and having that expertise. So far, it all sounds accurate. Yeah, and I did I did inquire about the question about um you know, other committees sort of weighing in on this project at this point. Um, and, um, you know, like the planning board, uh, and, you know, what Sarah described was like, you know, every committee has their own procedures and, and the way they go about doing their work. Um, and uh, the planning board has a certain list of documents that they need to get before they review something. There's a whole checklist of stuff. And that, um, and that usually, you know, that hasn't been done yet. That's that's sort of the next future for the future phases, and so um, uh, hasn't been prepared at this stage. Um, um, and you know, obviously, their their reviews will come, and they'll they'll be, uh, you know, it, they'll look at the rules and regulations. They you know anytime there's a project in town, they they have to. You know, prove it, make sure it's important to the laws and regulations. So they'll, they'll do that. Um, that was it. Okay. So I'm sorry, the, the conversation was all with Mo and Sarah. And Sarah, okay. yes. Yeah. And they were referencing either environmental partners in each niche documents. Yeah, and well, it, yes. Yeah, uh, the, niche, the niche letter and then the yep. sustainability write up okay. in, in this schematic design submission. Um, one other quick thing, I, don't know, I think we were going to add this, is there's a, there was a question that came in about the archaeological district. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have that, yeah. Okay, maybe I'll just cover, because Sarah, at the same meeting, we asked her this question. It was a question uh, from a resident who asked the question about, you know, how does this district uh, operate? She hadn't heard about it. and. And so there's, you know, there's a particular chapter in the in our in our bylaws that deals with it. And uh, there's a map. It's not a GIS map. It's just a just a, a paper map. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it just has. Uh, but we have a scan of it. It has like it has like shaded <laughs> like shaded areas A B C where it has. Um, you know these these sort of districts, and uh, 
she happens to live over in Carmen Circle, which is north of Bell, just north of Bell. Um, so she was curious, like, did it impact her and her butters and her and some people thinking of doing some development neighborhood. But it really runs sort of south of Elm down uh, through the Wheelock site and, and then sort of south southeast from there. Uh, so yeah, towards the river, that Minebrook River. So um, the map kind of looks like somebody put their grape jelly on it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of your next layer. Yeah, it is. So, <laughs> so that so that map is like that map we're gonna put in the uh yes, on the website. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so in the sidewalks and busing section, um, we actually had talked about these before, but we didn't have we didn't have the links before. So um, it's the list of safety streets as defined by the public schools, a section of the bus contract. Um, and then I still don't have the link here for you, the number of families with kids. I did get the document today, but I sent a couple of follow up questions to Jeff and Mike to make sure I was reading it correctly. So um, we do have that. So the, we'll, they basically did a spreadsheet that has the number of families with kids at Memorial, families at Wheelock, and then families at Dale. And then, so then you can figure out the unique families. So that way, if you assumed that the kids that are currently at Memorial and currently at Wheelock were actually on one site together, how many families does that add? Or i.e. how many cars does that add? I guess I'd have pick up or drop off. So, um, before I give that to everybody, I just want to make sure I read it right. <laughs> so um, I sent them a follow-up question, but we should have that for next time. Um, for the park and rec section, um, the community survey results that Jill had um, from the last meeting, that link is there. And then Kevin sent me the presentation that um, they used in January, 2020, that goes along with that. So those are both there. Um, for the project comparisons, we've got the, the, from the community forum, the projects that Mr. Quinlan had put up. So that's there. And then there were the two documents that you sent me, the, there's an estimated cost for new elementary schools, 16 so, so there was an analysis sent in to us by Tom Powers, um, Per, he done he had done analysis around elementary school costs and um, cost per grade, cost, yeah. cost per grade, yeah, right? And had um, selected certain schools to look at. And so, what I did is I went back to the MSBA site and looked at uh, everything because he I think he had done from seventeen on. I looked at sixteen forward and just looked at new construction, not at reno, and then um, just put it all in a spreadsheet and then did the calculations, you know. Um, and so um, one of the, the problems with his analysis is he looked at, um, he, he, he went past the schematic design phase. So he had, he had the final cost after it had been bid, bid out, which was obviously lower than the schematic design numbers right in a lot of cases by up to 20 percent and then uh, the number he was using for the medfield he had the full project as opposed to and he was comparing to just construction costs so anyway i've, I've reformatted all that and put it in a um you know a, a, 
an analysis, and that that's what the document is. But it's all based upon public information, right? So you can put that. Other than that, the re, the more recent the more recent schools in there um, came from, from Mike because they're not they're not in on the website. So um, the website is also a little bit. It takes a while for them to catch up. For yeah. instance, they still have our numbers from the previous days, yeah. which is February. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's what that is. It's a. Uh, I didn't bring a copy with me, but I can. Well, I figure we'll probably end up talking about that in more detail next week when we yeah. go through the Q and A. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but is it to be posted? Yes, it's on the oh. list to be posted. Yeah. 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 Um, and then just a couple more, the Wheelock site history, the, um, the archae archaeological map we just talked about, the grape jelly spill, <laughs> mm -hmm. is there. And then um, I think this is a repeat from the top, but we're just putting things in the multiple sections. It's the district and professional team responses from May 22nd that was already up there. And then um, there's just a page reference um, inside the preferred schematic report from 12 2320 which is the environmental site on pages 10 and 11 um and then it has the geo environmental reports that are appendix g are the wheelock ones and um also page 14 is the wheelock section so those are really just page callouts to the document um the psr and then there in the Dale section, there is the repairs list that uh, Jeff and Mike went over with us last week at the future of Dale meeting that we had. Um, and then there is the legal opinion that Jeff and Jess referred to also at that meeting that they had had the, um, the school's attorney do about to write out exactly what the transfer process is. If Dale was right. not a school and it right. needed to come back, so that's a so that's the legal document that they're referring to. So the actual letter is there, and then the last one is again the same PSR about the environmental site on pages 10, 11, but this calls out the appendices that refer to Dale. So appendix F is Dale, and page numbers 11 and 12 in the PSR also refer to Dale. But um, and that is the end of our current list. Do you want a motion? Yes, I would like a motion, and then we're going to ask Mr. Pimmer questions. So I move that we uh, incorporate those documents onto the uh, one committee website. Second. Sorry, I'm declining whatever call Nick had. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not important. <laughs> I don't know. I think we're still recording. I think. Um, okay, no, I'm you. sorry. So who motioned? So I motioned Jeremy second. Okay. All right. Bob. Well, yes. Jeremy. Yes. Newton. Yes. Yes. Jones. And yes. Steve. And I'm a yes. Okay. All right. So I will get some time with Nick and get him to post. So. Um, next thing on our agenda before we go upstairs to talk to was I believe that Mr. Quillen here has come to answer questions that we were all sounding very confused about. Can you introduce yourselves? Because I don't know you <laughs> <laughs> What would you like to discuss? The topic du jour. Well, we, I think um, we would like to understand uh, sort of um, 
we understand that the pricing that was done for the budget, project scope and budget, was based upon CMR pricing. Correct. But what we'd like to understand is um, once the project, if the project is approved, mm -hmm. and if it moves forward, and if um, the town approves the project, uh, what happens in the next phase? And in terms of uh, you know the way things get, any decisions that get made around the bid process, mm -hmm. and uh, have some some of those decisions already been made, or are they going to be made? When do they get made, and what are they? And um, how does it you know what are the differences between sure. you know what things that we have to consider? Yeah, um, it, it sounded previously also like you wanted a little bit of background on. Um, DBB versus CMR. Yeah. Do you want me to start there at this high yeah. level yeah, before yeah. I get into the specifics of Medfield? Sure. Right. Okay. Um, so um, there are two ways to procure construction for uh, municipalities in Massachusetts and for the state as well, but um, they are design bid build, otherwise known as Chapter 149. Um, and then uh, there's uh, CM at risk or construction manager at risk, otherwise known as Chapter 149A. So you'll, you'll hear us build a lot of those terms out. Typical chapter 149 procurement method mm -hmm. is basically low, low bid. You design the building, you bid it out, and whoever's the lowest qualified bidder uh, must be awarded the project. Um, and then there are also a series of what are called filed sub-bidders. Um, in Massachusetts, there's certain trades that have separate bidding processes uh, called filed sub-bidding, where those sub-bidders uh, file their own bids the lowest from each of those categories get rolled into the uh, general contractor's bid, unless it's qualified that they won't work with certain contractors. They have the option to do that. So that's basically you are buying, in essence, you're buying the documents. It's on the drawings, it's in the specifications. That's what you're buying. And that's it. Um, so everything beyond that is a change order. And that's there's a whole process for that down the line. So as construction has gotten more and more complex throughout time, um, in the private sector, CM at risk became uh, a more favorable way to uh, to bid projects, especially with large, larger projects, projects that are more complicated, et cetera. And then eventually the state um, incorporated that into their own laws. Uh, so CM at risk is a different process where instead of buying a set of documents, you're basically buying a team. And so it's more of a qualifications-based procurement where you're um, you're evaluating and interviewing a team before you have the project completely designed. And you're bringing them on in the essence of trying to get uh, feedback from them. They help with constructability reviews during design. They, they assist the designer on how things should go together, detailing, uh, making sure the documents are tight and they've got everything, all their T's crossed and I's dotted. They're providing pricing feedback during that process um, as, as the uh, town evaluates options, things like that. But because the project isn't fully designed, you're basically engaging a contractor uh, for pre-construction services alone to start. And then um, when the project does go out to bid, uh, it's an open book process. So they show you each of their trades all the subcontractors that bid uh, outside of the filed sub bidders you are not required to take the lowest bid but 
you know, unless there's a reason not to, that's usually the way it goes. But um, but the the bid, who the bid goes out to for the non-filed sub bidders is also uh, more controlled by the CM. So you know you know who sub sub bidders are that you're uh, that you're bidding the project to. You're uh, far have far more control over over those trades. Filed sub bid process is essentially the same in both essences because of the procurement. So an electrical sub bidder on a, a chapter 149 project and an electrical sub bidder process on um, a CM at risk is going to be basically the same, the same cast of characters. But, Quick but question. Yeah. Um, in the DBB, mm -hmm. um, do you, the owner project, um, maybe the CMR themselves, do they have um, control over who those sub subs are? No, it's a it's a low it's a low bid process. Yeah. The only control you have with DBB is pre-qualification. So pre-qualification, which which given the size of the project we're required to do, um, we recommend it sometimes even when it's under under the, the state limits. But um, basically we have to run a pre-qualification process to make sure that the people bidding on the project are qualified to do that. That involves um, a whole series of of uh, an RFP to go out and uh, I'm sorry, an RFQ to go out. They they supply their qualifications. We review, get references. We get we do financial checks, things like that. Um, and then each um, sub bidder gets a score, and then that gets published as like these are the only people that can bid on the job, um, and that can get you know. Sometimes people don't like how we score things, and they you know they they get bounced out. Um, but generally speaking, that's the only way you can control who's bidding on the job mm -hmm. once that's out you have to take the low bidder so you can't say right i'm unless there's a reason why they're not qualified in theory you know um they should be qualified based on the pre-qualification but say for instance um they withdraw but say for instance you have you know one contractor a bids 60 million Contractor B bids 75 million, contractor C bids 76 million, and you're like, wow, that's a big gap. Um, oftentimes they'll just withdraw because it feels like they missed something, but you could probably say that, that that may not be, you know, the wisest thing because there's clearly a, a big gap between the low bidder and, and the others. Um, so those are the things we look for, but um, typically, um, if you do choose the second bidder. It's actually happened to Medfield uh, when we bid uh, um, one project where- Is it for this building? No. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> on, on a previous project, um, the low bidder, um, this is years ago, this was on DPW before, okay. um, there was um, a bidder that was deemed to be not, not responsible. Um, and so we chose the second bidder um, and the, First bidder ended up going out of business. By the way, a few years later, a company called TLT Construction. Um, and so there, there are ways to avoid that, but you generally you're not getting to the third bidder. But um, you have to justify it because the first bidder could protest to the AG and say, um, "I'm sorry, to the IG and say, you know, we we want um, no, it's the AG, um, and say, you know, they threw us out on unfairly, and then there's a whole process around that. So. Um, we have to be very careful about, you know, about that process. So that's, that's the major difference. So if you think about it, DBB, you're buying what's on the drawings, what's in the specs, um, CMR, you're buying a team and you're buying, um, their expertise and their collaboration during the design process going into bid. Um, 
and then negotiate what's called a GMP or a guaranteed maximum price. Um, within that, um, they don't see them at risk, so to speak. Um, they're not taking that risk on just for the heck of it. So they 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 build into their GMP contingencies, their own contingencies, um, and different buckets to to a lot for that risk. Um, and so that all has to be negotiated through the, the GMP negotiation process um, and then agreed upon. Uh, with Medfield, um, we have uh, voted to pursue CMR. Um, but if, you know, during this whole process, we decide that we can't negotiate a, a fair contract, we can always go back to um, EBB as a fallback. That's, that's sort of the, you haven't you haven't picked anybody yet, right? No. So you voted on your question. Then I'll could be getting back to your question. If the project gets approved, the next steps would be um, the first thing we have to do is we would file an application with the IEG's office to approve us to go to CMR. I've never had a project that get denied. Yeah. Um, the second step would be. Um, um, uh, with uh, qualifications and um, interview for, for RFQ for um, CMs, construction managers. So basically, we would put an RFQ out for to see who's interested. I can tell you, I, I, I know we will get a lot. <laughs> um, the last uh, job we did that for for my project in Ashland, we got uh, 11 CMs and similar size projects. So I guarantee you, we'll probably get those same 11, if not more. Um, so we Yes, but only to a certain point. They submit their calls, we review them, and then we shortlist. So if we had 11, we typically shortlist a three or four that we want to interview. And then um, of those three or four, and we go through a similar rating process with them. Now, we look at their financials, we look at their team, we look at their schedule, um, availability. Um, you know, all of that gets evaluated. And then we shortlist to three or four. We decide uh, who to interview, we do interviews. But because it's a qualifications-based procurement, we can select whoever we want. So it's not about a low number. You know, we do we do factor in. We ask them for their fees. We ask them for general conditions um, and uh, their contingencies and how they're viewing the project. But that's all negotiable. Does that SBA get a vote, or is that <clears throat> just an SBC choice? It's a local decision. Yep. And so, what went into the? No, it, one. Sorry, one on one. But just to clarify. Um, any of that would be any selection we would make would need to be reviewed by them. They would, you know, if for some they have, they have to stand for that. <laughs> so you, you yeah. pick it, then they have to approve it, and then you sign the contract kind of thing. So, as I understand it, there's um, there can be, you know, when you do negotiate this GMP or yeah, the CMR or whatever the final, whoever that L contractor is. Card yeah. contractor is <clears throat> um, that there could be a difference in pricing, right? We're just just an estimate at this point, and then maybe there would be. So we would hire a CM with had nothing to do with the project pricing, right? Right. right. We would we, we would be able to at that time they would give us estimates for their um, fixed estimates for their general conditions, yeah. um, general requirements, contingencies, and fee, yeah. both pre-con fee and then um, uh, total fee for the project. Uh, so all of that we would factor in. We would compare them across all of the ones that we interview and say, you know, look at the financials as part of that package. Um, and then, you know, then we would negotiate. Let's say we, we really liked the, you know, team A or team B had much lower um, numbers. We might go 
back to team A and say, look, we like you, but if, if, if you can't bring these numbers down, you know, we negotiate back and forth, that type of thing, yeah. um, as we would with any contract. So there's usually <laughs> some positive savings from the pricing that we do now, not a big number. Mm, not, I mean, it's not, it's not major in terms of how it impacts because the big numbers is the cost of the job. Yeah. Those are the trade costs as we call them. Right. So um, that's all the subcontractors, not right. the CM. So, you know, at that stage, we, we don't have any negotiating power over that because that all gets bid out. Right. So, but, um, but the CM is conducting that bid. The CM. They're doing they're putting the RFQs together for those bids for construction costs. Yes, in conjunction with the OPM. So when I, right. when I look at um, this spreadsheet on the MSBA website that shows for the same school, the SD pricing, schematic design pricing, and then when it ultimately you know goes up the bid the bid price and they have DBB next to the price and there's like a twenty percent variance between yeah I'd, I'd have to see what you're referring to that number seems really high to me but um, so typically the you know it's it's an opinion so you've asked ten people you'll get a lot of different answers but yeah. um, the the premium that we generally advise our clients on right now yeah. um, from DVB to CM is about 5%. 5%. Um, and um, oftentimes that comes back at the end of the job or some portion of it comes back at the end of the job because with CMs, they never end up using all the contingency that they say they're going to have at the beginning because again, their risk avoidance, they're just trying to cover their own, you know, took us and, so, and, and we have to be very careful about that because uh, there's nothing worse than we've, we've seen this happen many times where we go down a CM route and, um, you know, them, they're conservative, overly conservative. And then there comes a time when we're over budget, we got to cut something or something the town may want. And writing a check at the end of the job saying, hey, look, we're under budget, but we cut something. That to me, that's not being the hero that they think they're being. This is what I was talking about. So we put these are the years in the, the different mm -hmm. schools. So yellows and TBBs and these are similar. And you can see like in the DBBs there was a bigger percentage. Yeah, it's a schematic. But just looking the tough part with, with just looking at those numbers yeah. is that you're not looking at what changed between SD and the bid. Right, so they could have changed scope. Change scope. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you, you, it's tough just to look at the numbers. But it was interesting that because CMRs, it was very. But that's change. but that's that's the that's exactly the reason why <clears throat> you go CMR DBB, yeah. right? CMR is supposed to be a more um, you know precise look at it. Now DBB, we're using a cost estimator, and not that they're not close, but they're not as close to the market as a CM, right? Yeah. So our cost estimators get information on bids and they, they use that information to, to decide how they're going to price um, you know, future work. But the CMs are always working with subcontractors mm -hmm. and they have a much closer feel of what the street will, will price out at. And so that's the other benefit of bringing them on is that you're getting a more accurate picture. Now, the downside to that is you don't have the, um, the, the leverage on bid day. So the benefit of the DBB in, in, a, in, a, in a weak market is you could get someone who's just going to let you work. Yeah. And they're going to go overly aggressive on it and they're going to make sure that they, you know, they win the job because they need the work. Yeah. And that's when you get, you know, 
a benefit to the town, as long as they don't go too far to the point yeah. where they may put themselves in trouble. Um, but the environment we're in now we're, is nowhere near that. Yeah. We're not in that type we're of We're not even close <laughs> to that. Yeah. So that sounds like, like, inflation sounds like a reasonable yeah. decision. Yeah. yeah. At what point did they uh, come up with a guaranteed maximum? GMP? Yeah. So um, the GMP is when the final bid documents have all been produced and they get put out to bid. And then the, the contractor will receive all the bids from all the different trades. We, we do what's called descoping. We go through each trade and we say, make sure, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Like with all the non-filed subs, you know, so we make sure that they've got everything covered and they get their sort of best and final. Um, and then um, the contractor makes a recommendation to the OPM in the town. Like these are the contractors we're proposing. And then there's a, you know, the, as long as they're okay. And, and, they're accepted, up and, right? it. and the filed sub bid again, Going back to that process is we're still required to take the low bidder, right? Um, in that the process, the yeah. lowest responsible uh, bidder, yeah, right. Like you indicated, that if you couldn't reach uh, an agreement with the uh, CM mm -hmm. on that GMP, you could pivot to DBV. So that it's not a not off the table. No, and it's it's not a difficult process to pivot, or it's, it's not time consuming. It's not easy, <laughs> okay. Um, but it may be beneficial depending on the scenario. I'm just uh, my only point about bringing that up is that that's always an option. Um, it's not that we are, you know, we're locked in. It's not the mm -hmm. question is, you know, will it be an easy option? You know, it's it's always a little bit difficult to change that midstream. Yeah. Um, but there may come a time when it might be necessary. Depending on we also didn't wait into a recession in the next two or three months. Right. We may decide, we may decide, yeah, if all of a sudden the market looks like it's you know super hungry instead of you know fat, then we might um we might you know reverse course um and go back to a straight design bid build. So assuming if the project did it, when would that decision be made? Would that um, be like a January, February? When when, when would we that... select a CM? Yeah. Oh, make that decision. So, so right. when December, start, December, yeah, when we, we would just... put we would put an RFQ out on the street once we got the approval yeah. from the uh, um, uh, uh, from the state to go CM. We would put an RFQ on the street and we would start um, that process. And so we'd be looking at um, selecting a CM like maybe late January, early February. Okay. So. I don't see want them on board early. Right. That's the whole yeah. that's the whole benefit. If you're gonna pay the premium, you yeah. want to make sure that you are you're getting them on yeah. as early as possible the design process. They're reviewing the documents, they're making sure that um, you know, and, and they also will be critical in the, the next phase, which is called design development. They'll be critical in assembling the cost estimates for that. So right now we have the OPM's cost estimate and the designer's cost estimate, and then we reconcile them. With the CM process, we would have a CM's estimate and the designer's estimate, and we would reconcile those. Um, so we would always have you know, two estimates that we're working off of, making sure we're seeing the project the same way. Are there companies out there that exclusively are CM at risk? Yep. Companies that that's all they do. Yep. And there is in the opposite, there are some that are exclusively GC. And then there are a right. few that, that straddle right. the line. There's, there's not a ton that straddle the line. Right. Um, and I will say one of the other benefits of CM is you're getting a very different class of contract, uh, especially on larger jobs. There are um, there are probably 
four, maybe five general contractors in this market that I would be comfortable with performing a job of this size and complexity. Um, and the tough part is if we chose to go that route and they're busy and they don't decide to pursue the job and we're down to two or three, we're selecting, you know, that, that becomes a bit of a, we, we want to make sure we have enough of a bidding pool. Mm-hmm. And the tough part is there's only so many GCs in this market that I'm comfortable are qualified enough to do the job, which is part of the reason why I, I voted to pursue CM. I hate to cut the conversation. Yes, this is very helpful. Yes, so um, I'm going to let Bob make his talk. Is there a second? Okay, all right. So, um, yes. 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 Yes.